Got an exciting guest for us today. My brother, little brother, uh, Dan, Pastor Dan, uh, depending on how you know him, uh, Dano. <laughs> uh, but I'm uh, really excited to have him share his story. I think it's um, it, it's just powerful um, when you follow God's calling on your life. And um, But before we jump into that, just want to remind you and uh, also thank you for listening. Thank you for the support, some of the messages that we've gotten from family, friends, colleagues, acquaintances. Um, really means a lot to us that this uh, is blessing, uh, hopefully all of you, but especially those who have reached out. Uh, again, our mission at the Upper Room Family Podcast is to equip families to pursue God's design for discipleship, community, and dynasty. So welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thanks for having me. I like the fire you got going up here. <laughs> We're up in the upper room. Uh, I don't know if I've described it a whole lot. Why would you describe it, Dan? Uh, a cabin, loft, warm, sunny, bright, a bear. Uh, rug hanging from the corner. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. Rustic. Some rustic couches. These couches, I think, are from like the 70s. I don't know where. Uh, got them off of somebody's sunroom porch. <laughs> I could live here. It is, it is a live nice space. Yeah. 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 For a bachelor pad, I mean, it's missing like a kitchen, but you could probably cook on the you could a stove there yeah. and bring a cooler up. So... Yeah, it's a uh, it's a neat space. Uh, we're trying to trying to finish it off a little bit, but uh, the more taxidermy, the better. I just got my coyote uh, pelt is on its way from the taxidermist nice. done, so I got to find a spot to hang that up. Nice. That's from Uncle Chuck, local local coyote, Pennsylvania yeah, coyote. <laughs> I love it. Good. Well, Dan, I uh, invited you on because I think your story is really awesome. I think it's inspiring to, uh, to me. Um, I remember walking through some of the dialogue with you. I don't know that I played a big role, but I know that you, uh, felt that you had this calling on your life. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your early career, getting married, having kids, where you were at, and then we'll get to the meat and potatoes of how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So I, when I graduated high school, I did go to uh, university, but I went in undeclared. I wasn't quite sure totally uh, what I was supposed to do. But within my first year, uh, my freshman year, I did choose on elementary education. So I went into college thinking maybe I'll be a teacher just because I've never, I never really knew my strengths to be. Um, I, it was always like a people person or a communicator. Mm -hmm. Like I know I could connect with kids, you know, I'll learn the content, but I know I could connect with students. So, um, and that felt like that was absolutely the direction I should have gone. Um, got married right before I started my first full-time job. I got hired at the school you and I graduated from. Mm -hmm. So I moved back to my hometown, um, bought a house a few years later. We have three boys. So I taught for nine years. And what grade did you teach? Uh, seventh and eighth grade, middle school, some ninth grade as well. Literature, right? Yep. Mostly reading. reading, like not learning how to read, but reading to learn. So analyzing texts and um, understanding story structure, things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's like, that's all I ever wanted. I just wanted to stay 
in Warren Center, um, you know, our small town. I thought I was living the dream. I loved teaching. I loved the community aspect. Um, I loved the summers off. I loved really, really never, like I loved it. I loved my job. So um, I was pretty much, I was set. I was set. We were excited. And uh, so. So when did you, what year did you start teaching? Yeah, 2012. Okay. Through uh, 2021. Okay. And then at what point did you feel that there was a shift coming or how how did that? Yeah. So that kind of goes to, um, in 2017, we had a missions focus at our church. Mm -hmm. Um, our lead pastor is a former missionary in Paraguay for like about a decade. Um, so he kind of brought a missions focus and, uh, Sarah was out of town. I'm sitting in service. And they're passing the offering plate. Mm-hmm. And there's a song that they're just playing to like, you know, fill the fill the time. And the lyrics were, um, Jesus, I believe in you, and I would go to the ends of the earth, because you alone are the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone should know basically. And it I started like kind of crying out of nowhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was near the back row. And that was a moment I was like, wow, where did that come from? And uh, I texted Sarah, who was out of town at her parents. I said, hey, I don't know what just hit me. I don't think I'm going to teach for a whole career. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be 30 or 35 years. Uh, We got to get out of debt. I just remember saying that. (laughs) And she's, of course, with at church with probably, you know, two young boys. So she's like, "Okay, cool. (laughs) You know, responded real quick. Yeah. week later we went up there's another missionary and i i went up to him and explained hey not sure what's going on um things are like seem to be losing um like i i always had a salary number in my head and i don't really care about that anymore and things like that and Mm -hmm. he kind of smirked and said let me pray for you and he said um god i pray that you would set dynamite to dan and sarah's american dream Mm. And I kind of shuddered and was like, I did not ask you to pray that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that was like the, the beginning, just this strange feeling, overwhelmed with emotion. You know, I I try not to just settle on emotional experiences for for that. Um, year later, long story short, we responded another missions month. And for, the, for that year, we'd been having these conversations like, would God actually ask us to, to be missionaries or to leave my career or to leave where we're at? Um, responded to an altar call where just said, if, if you feel like, um, God might be calling you into this direction, I just want you to step forward. Let us pray for you. And, uh, I don't, I probably don't want to go into all the details of that, but 15 minutes left in the sermon. And I'm like, I just got to get out of here. Hmm. You know, I know we should leave. I want to grab lunch, things like that. Didn't make eye contact with Sarah. Um, it felt like I knew, like my heart was beating out of my chest before the sermon was even over. Hmm. And it had been sort of a culmination of a year of having conversations and wondering. And that Sunday was me really submitting my will to God's, I feel like. Hmm. Um, like, okay, God, I don't have any of the answers. It's not what I want. It's not what I thought about or dreamed of. But like, if you want to use me, sure, you know. Um so yeah, that was kind of, I still taught three more years after that. 
Okay. Obviously. So, uh, kind of focused on getting out of debt, paying off like our school loans so that we could be more mobile or free to, to go yeah. and raise support and do that. So when the, uh, it was the missionary who prayed over you mm-hmm. to set dynamite to your American dream, mm-hmm. what you're a visual poetic guy, Yeah. like what, what visual, like what was going on when he prayed that and you're like, Whoa, hold on. Like I didn't, I didn't ask for that. Yeah. So my dream was not, I don't think luxurious. It was just like comfortable. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not, I'm not out in the business world, like making money. I thought I had a good career. It was very comfortable. I thought I had strengths in there. I love the community aspect. I coach soccer. Mm-hmm. So what I envisioned was my little yard in Warren Center with the view of the pond across the road. And it was like comfort. So over the next several years, I sort of, God was so gentle with me, but I learned that I was holding my comfort as an idol or stability or predictability or Mm-hmm. safety you know i see and yeah. so that's the work the lord did in my heart was to sort of give anything up for him you know even not even a lavish lifestyle but just one of comfort and like my vision of the good life mm-hmm. would i give that up to follow jesus yeah so. so you had this calling and you said you taught for like three more years and during those three years like what what did your plan what did God's plan, I guess, like shape out to look like as you, you mentioned debt, uh, so that you could be a mm-hmm. little bit freer from financial obligations that you and, uh, and Sarah had incurred, you know, uh, school and I imagine the mortgage yep. or to some extent and some other things. So you wanted to free up some capital there, but what else was happening in those three years as you're, I'm sure there were a lot of conversations with Sarah and tons and, and mentors and pastors yeah. yep so um the week after we responded to the altar to to be prayed for we i emailed pastor joe we went over had dinner for like four or five hours just pick their brains i'm asking all these practical questions like and that's your that's a lead pastor, lead pastor. Yeah. okay um can i still invest in retirement like is there health care and he's kind of laughing like of course you know like missions today I mean, it's not the 1800s where you're just going out alone across the frontier. You know, mm-hmm. there's organization set up, there is structure. Um, so uh, that was, they've been a big influence, just kind of encouraging us and walking us through that, sharing their own story. We found great, like, hey, how, how did it happen for you? And they were on a missions trip leading a youth team. And yeah, they just each sort of sensed in their heart, like, you could do this. And when they came to each other to talk, they were both thinking those those mm. thoughts. So they were like, wow. Um, we took a uh, class at Hope Church, Perspectives and World Missions. Yep. Someone even gave me money to like pay for that. Mm-hmm. It was a colleague who delivered a check one day. I think mm. you should do this. There's little things like that all through this where sort of a, a nudge to uh, pursue things. That was 15 weeks of hearing from mostly missionaries every week. And wow. that just stirred our hearts. Um, it's brand new to us. That's over half the half the year at church, right? If it was 15 weeks of well, straight at, um, mission focus? At Hope Church it was. So it was like a Sunday Oh, the perspectives night. class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
So, um, yeah, so it was like a college semester. Yeah, like there was projects and homework and yeah, more intense than I thought. We'd mm-hmm. we'd teach youth group on uh, we'd go to youth group Wednesday nights and come home and like stay up till midnight doing our assignments. <laughs> uh huh. You know. Um. So in that three year time frame, you started doing youth ministry too, or had you been doing that? Uh, all so we were we were leaders in the youth, and we'd have conversations too, like driving home, like. Like, I remember telling Sarah one time, we could do this. Like, if God ever asked me, I could. So my heart was just changing, like, gently, uh, slowly. I just feel like God was very patient and gracious. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in December of 2019, Pastor Joe asked us to lead the youth. So there was some internal movement at the church. The youth pastor was going to move elsewhere. And uh, he asked if we would just lead it weekly. And we immediately said yes, because we had, it just seemed like this was the next obedient thing to say yes to. Yeah. And normally I would have sort of said, eh, I'll let you know and really try to get out of it. Yeah. But it was like a, it was a, it was a thing. And I remember leaving church and I called my friend Luke uh, after I like went to the altar call and I said, uh, Dude, this is where I think it's going. And he's just encouraged me. And I remember driving home in my truck and I was talking out loud to God. I was like, God, you got to get me out of teaching because I can't walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. I don't know how to leave it. I don't know how to leave the, the salary and the pension and the lifestyle. And like, um, and then, you know, 2020 happens mm-hmm. and COVID. I think COVID does play a pivotal role. Um, not that I disliked teaching, but like that disrupted things. Yeah. That disrupted things. So we're online and we're remote and we're. Do you feel like it kind of disassociated you from the building, from the human interaction enough to where you were able to be like, maybe have a clear focus somewhere else? Is it, was it the disassociation from the classroom because everything moved to online or. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably a good observation. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I thrive in the connection and the face-to-face and the, mm-hmm. you know, teaching is, I'm not the teacher who like loves pouring over data. and I mean, that might incriminate me, but like, I'd rather, I mean, I'm tracking grades and we're getting your reading levels up and all that, but it's the interaction and the, the doing life together for hours a day yeah. with these students. So, yeah. so yeah, that was a big challenge. Um, was able to pay off debt like any, any uh, I don't know what you any stimulus money we put right to debt. Mm-hmm. Like just threw it at debt. Yeah. And I was in a very blessed position. I I still got paid, so I'm living normally. Yeah. You know, I thought that was the most reasonable thing to do is just pay off school loans more and more. So. Um. So 2021. Yes. Comes around and. Where do you, I know that you, you eventually leave your teaching job, mm-hmm. but talk real briefly about like those conversations. Did you feel like your, your, uh, you know, your boss would have been like the principal or the superintendent? Do you feel like they, was it this wild, like what in the world, why would you do this kind of radical conversation or were they more supportive than you anticipated? So I told very few people. Um, 
early on. Uh-huh. Like Micah was one guy I you know, maybe shared it with. Um, a few other colleagues just to like pick their brain. And, you know, I did care. I I think I am a people pleaser. I do think I care what people think and their perception of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was difficult to step into. Uh, but yeah, I, I met with my principal and superintendent because I had to ask really just some practical questions about um, they'd paid for my master's and if I have to pay that back and just things like that. Um, so before I had that conversation, Pastor Joe invited me full-time to join staff. Okay. Um, as I was leaving the house, Sarah said, hey, listen to what he has to tell you. Mm-hmm. And there always was sort of this agreement between our spirits and our minds with this. And she even spurred me on in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, I know you have a call for missions and you're figuring that out. This move in many ways might be just uh, one of the biggest steps to you leave your career. Yeah. And I want you to come on staff and, and work. And, you know, whenever you go to missions, that's almost a lateral movement, still a huge step, but you've yeah. left like your career, your training, mm-hmm. your comfort here. Um, so, uh, principal and superintendent were super encouraging, kind, a little confused, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you didn't fit the teacher mold of, I'm going to be a career teaching is my everything. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that, in my 20, 30 years. Yeah. That's my heart though. Like I, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. And it, I, my plan was set. It was safe, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I also don't want to be heard that like, this is my story because it's what God has called me to. That does not mean teachers out there, anyone in a business or career has to like give things, but whatever right. God calls them to give up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So, um, so they were, they were encouraging, a little confused. Um, I did send out this massive email, like in the summer, that was one of the hard things. I couldn't really say goodbye to people. Mm-hmm. None of my yep. students. Cause I didn't know what my answer was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the responses, I wish I still had my school email address. I should have printed them out, but like the responses from both believers and non-believers alike was just insanely encouraging. Hmm. Um, insanely. Yeah. It was just such a blessing to hear that. And I remember you one time, I was, I think we were working out here and I was kind of like bumbling through telling Micah, hey, this was the decision I made. And you're like, bro, you got to own it. Like, yeah, you're like, you got to step into it, Mm. you know, like you're making this decision, just fully make it. Yeah. And that really encouraged me too, to just like, it is like, this is the direction God's calling me. I'm going to step into this. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, so. Nice. All right. So I guess the next step of your story is you go on, uh, you, you leave teaching you become full-time staff at um, City Church mm-hmm. um, as a youth. Youth, what's your title there? Youth. Yeah, so I just kept leading the youth. Okay. Because I was doing that anyway. Yeah. My official title is assistant pastor. I think. Okay. Because um. Because you're over like young adults too. Not really. So not really young adults, but um, like our, I lead a lot of volunteer teams. Okay. Like our, you know, first impressions team is what we call it. So greeters and ushers and um, prayer team. And then I I really work with our next steps. So people visit the church. What's next for them? Is it water baptism? Is it, you know, our journey class where we sort of 
share more about Christ, discipleship, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm working with the missions. We support like over 60 missionaries a month. So I'm over that task force where we communicate with the missionaries and pray for them and um, communicate to our, our church partners as well. And we do a banquet each year where we raise support and things like that. So that's that's been a cool thing to be involved in. Nice. But, okay. So, yeah, so I make the jump. Um, I left in the summer of 2021, and I started in August. Mm-hmm. And uh, been there ever since. For about six months, We I commuted in my truck from the center to Binghamton. And, it's about like a 40-minute drive, especially in your truck. Yeah, bogging down, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shaking on the highway. So A lot of gas money. Yep. Um, and God was just like gracious. Like I was making less, spending more on gas. Didn't really figure all that out, but um, excited to be just sort of stepping into the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we sold our home. We ended up, we started renting December 1st of the end of 2021 and sold our home. And that's been a blessing. Like we, we cleared our debt, yep. you know, now we don't have a home, but uh, we're debt free and we're just kind of. You're blessed with a, a awesome rental, right? Mm-hmm. From someone at the church yep. who has a property and. Yeah. Checked we're... all the boxes. Yeah. Yeah, neat little space right right in town, right where you want to be, mm-hmm. right in your mission field. Yeah, um, I I ran into a guy last week, and he didn't know we moved up here, and he's chatting with Sarah and I, and he goes, yeah, stay away from uh, Park Avenue and, like, <laughs> uh, you know, Binghamton General Hospital. I'm like, oh, yeah, we live there. Like, <laughs> we live off that road, and he kind of, he chuckled, but, yeah, yeah, it's brand new for us, mm-hmm. you know? Um my favorite, what do I want to call it? Loathing moment is uh, you might have to help me. I think it's it's Augie, right? Who just bemoans that he's no longer a PA boy. Yep, he's crying <laughs> in the back seat. He's like, "But Dad, I'm a Pennsylvania boy." And I go, "Yes, you are, son." <laughs> but we live in New York. I go, "Yep, but you'll always be a PA boy." <laughs> and I mean, he was born in New York anyway. Yeah, you know, but. Yeah, so I think through all of this, um, Sarah and I are in agreement, like mm-hmm. like just living faithfully. And I think you told me when God calls calls someone, they would call their wife and their family, you know. And I, I really do sense that. I do like feel like our family is called to this mm-hmm. during this season. So um I think collectively or or maybe not so maybe not yeah, so collectively I think that that's true. I think sometimes it's a, um, I don't want to say unfair calling because that makes it sound like God's unfair, but mm. you know, it's, it's, it's not, the choice isn't left up to your kids, right? right? But they're now a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean when I say, like, if God calls the, the head of your household to a, a calling, he's calling the whole family, right. whether they know it yet or not, right? you know, they're, they're, following that calling as well and are on on mission together and i think that you were really blessed with from what i can tell i wasn't involved in a lot of those conversations you know with sarah but i could tell that she um you know was supportive felt like it was that true helpmate that Mm -hmm. you needed Mm -hmm. to just maybe press you in certain areas of like make sure we think about this 
and had that nice balance of uh, not criticism, but, you know, what we need to think about these practical applications of our family (laughs) while also like, yes, we need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing but encouragement. Um, um, You know, we, we used to put the kids to bed and I'd pray that God would make them like warriors Mm -hmm. for the kingdom. I think it was a Mark Batterson prayer or something. And I think God answered that prayer by saying, okay, like go, what, what are you doing? Why are you praying for your kids to move in the kingdom of God? And, you know, I'm going to call you to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it, it was sort of incriminating where you're praying this, this bold prayer over your kids and then you're just sitting back and kind of playing it safe. Um, Sarah was, was helpful, encouraging, never, you know, I apologize for things. She goes, Nope, this is where we're at. This is our life now. Like we're about it. Mm-hmm. The hardest part was probably the six months of commuting. Um, it was just a big was, change, right? It was rough. Yeah. No, Cause it's probably fuller days maybe. Oh yeah. Like, and you got like your I, commute was three X what it used to be. Yeah. So, right. I mean, I used to work seven 30 to three I mean, obviously I'd stay later all the time, but mm-hmm. now it's like nine to five or nine. I mean, I don't even know my hours now cause it's, <laughs> it's all the time, but it's a beautiful thing. So. Yeah. 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 There's been some, I love, tell the, tell the story of the first time you're out to lunch. Cause I think it's just such a cool, it means it's probably not spiritual in any sense, but I just love that, you know, just maybe you had found like some freedom in like, Oh, here. oh yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah, so it's the first week of like an office job. And first of all, it's way too quiet and like oddly lonely. <laughs> I'm like, wait, like I'm I'm working with these five colleagues, like this is it. You yeah, know, really instead nice of like office and Yeah, it's like quiet. I have a window, there's yeah. AC. <laughs> I'm like, comfort. where are the kids being herded in like cattle, you know? Right. Smelly, drama. Like I, I kinda love that stuff. But <laughs> So I'm like, hey, what's the what do we do for lunch? And everyone's kind of like, what do you mean? I was like, well, like, are there rules? Is there a time limit? And they all kind of just are like, like, what time do I have to be back to yeah. my classroom? Yeah, right. And they're like, just eat lunch and come back. <laughs> that was it. So uh, we had a staff lunch, went to Chipotle, and I was like, I was just uncomfortable. I'm like I'm on the clock, but it was it was our lunch, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a very new dynamic. So, mm-hmm. so you've been leading for a, a while up there, um, at least a couple of years, I think, if I have mm-hmm. the timeline right. Just about. Maybe three years, you know, and if, whatever. Yeah, Several years you've been up there in some various capacity. But, like, what, um, you know, is mission still the goal? Like, what's your current um, calling? Is it to lead well at youth is it to you know put roots down there is this to still go international missions what yeah so so when i said yes to this again i just tell people it was the next obedient mm-hmm. yes it was just the next thing that was presented and it seemed like to say yes was the obedient move um our goal is still missions um without a doubt but i do feel like i'm here for this time and for this this season um to invest in the the teenagers at the youth Mm -hmm. 
to maybe be a just a voice in the church. I mean, I whenever I get to preach, I'm just so grateful to do that. And I'm grateful to even lean in and support and, you know, not just the youth ministry, but the adults and anyone coming in through the doors. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, we were at a missionary couple's house a few weeks ago for dinner. And he was kind of like, okay, so what's holding you back from putting in that application for this, you know, missions agency. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) That's a great question. So I do have people in my life spurring me on and and saying, but, um, but this ministry season, I, I do feel like I'm not just putting missions on pause. I feel like God is really preparing me, um, preparing my family to do this. I've learned so much as it relates to, being uncomfortable and sacrificing and um, truly being a servant leader um, about conflict, about just sort of boldness. I mean, we live in Binghamton. People knock on the church doors weekly. You know, they're homeless. They want a meal. They want, you know, like just leaning in. Like there's hardly a situation now where I'm not kind of comfortable and, you know, meet, meet anyone. So I know I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot by juggling a lot of responsibilities, by leading teams, even adults, even church teams, right? Like there's, we're all just so unique and complex and mm-hmm. sinful hearts, right? So yeah, to spur one another on toward Christ, mm-hmm. um, to remind ourselves of the gospel daily and how do we live as a result in that. I know I'm learning a lot right now. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, what I've learned in our conversation or what's kind of been coming up in my own thoughts is you know no matter where god has you you can be missionally focused Mm -hmm. and you know so i heard you say you know this is my story as a teacher to now a preacher if we want to be cliche yeah you know but uh (laughs) write a book (laughs) maybe that'll be the title of the podcast um you know so that, that's that's your calling, right? But it's not everybody's calling. But everybody who is a believer is called to be missional. Yes. And so, um, you know, how you do that, we, you know, recorded, you know, Christianity in the Workplace uh, with Micah and, and Kemiel and mm-hmm. Zion. Um, and so how do you just make sure that you're bringing that mindset to the population where you're at? And so even if you're a youth pastor, right, or associate pastor, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're in that area, that Binghamton, New York area, you know, you're, this is my missional grounds here. And I'm going to be hyper-focused on that. Yep. So uh, I was, I went and met with a youth pastor for like 26 years. He was a friend of a friend of mine. Hmm. And I'm telling him the story, how I left teaching. And the friend who introduced us is a teacher. He's an elementary school teacher. Hmm. And he is a great guy. And he's like, okay, hold up. Am I this like terrible person? Because I'm 20 years into my teaching career and I'm not selling my home and I'm not, you know, he's being a little sarcastic, but mm-hmm. like, no, not at all. This, again, this is just my call that the Lord has, has called me into. Yeah. So yeah, as a, as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, as someone who my job is to equip, right. Mm-hmm. And so that anyone else can go out and live out their mission. So, um, it could look like anything, right? Just living your life through the lens of the gospel, Jesus Christ, through the hope that we have mm-hmm. and being intentional wherever God has you. 
And that probably means getting to know people you're, you're living near, you're working with, um, having compassion for them, grace for them, and just living out who you are as a believer. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, we, like, it's absurd to say that uh, to be called as a missionary or a pastor is, is any higher calling than any call of the Christian. Yeah. That's, that's simply not the case. Mm-hmm. But when we come to Christ, uh, we do give everything to Him. So we give Him our future, our hopes, you know, our dreams, our resources. We it, It's all becomes Him, His, and we get to live on mission. We get to live out whatever He's going to have us do. Yeah. So, I think uh, the verse that is probably well used in missionary circles, I'm sure, in church circles is Isaiah 6, 8, right? Where um, Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Yeah. And, um, but I think it's kind of like one of those John three sixteen kind of verses, right? Like you hear that and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like just stop and think about these verses, right? Like that's my biggest beef with John three sixteen. It's so rote. It's so narrow. Like any, even most non-Christians can probably recite oh, yeah. it sure. or recite a version of it. So like it's, but don't lose its meaning, right? And I think the same thing here is like, okay, like if you hear that voice of the Lord, calling on your life, mm-hmm. you know, in a very specific direction, embrace that, you know, don't run away from that. Don't, don't quench the spirit yeah. and just simple answer. Here I am. Yeah. You know, here I am. You see me here. I am. Yes. And send me. And I don't have all the details. I don't have all the details yet, but I'm, I'm going to have this willing spirit to pursue a calling on, on my life that you have for me. Yeah. That's what I think your your story shows. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to faithfully live out uh, what it might mean to follow Jesus. To the youth, I'm always saying, you know, the disciples got up and they tried to follow Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. And they went to bed and they woke up the next day and they literally tried to follow him. Like, where's he going? What is he doing? What does he mean by all these things? And I think the call is no different today. Even in our 2023 context, if I, I like to think of it that way, I'm going to wake up and continue to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, here I am. Send me. And again, you don't have all the answers. You don't even have, like, I don't know where I'm going to be a few years from now. Yeah. You know, but um, through this journey, I'm, I've, I've really discovered that, like, okay, God's word is true. Like, I'm really taking jesus at his words mm-hmm. you know what does it gain amanda to you know gain the whole world mm-hmm. uh, but lose his soul like i i don't want to be that so to be near to jesus to like i'm i'm just sort of flex like i'm learning to trust in him and it's a it's a big thing like my wife my children mm-hmm. uh, finances all that so it's a it's a beautiful thing and i'm just sort of humbled to it's exciting. I think the life of a Christian should be a bit exciting. How can I reach my neighbor? Yep. How can I invest for the kingdom, right? How can I um, How can I follow Jesus and share the love of God with others? Yeah. So So yeah, you can do that. You can 
live missionally wherever God has you. Absolutely. I think that's a good place to end. Thanks for joining me, Dan. Thanks, man. It's been a pleasure. All right.